DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Joe Varden covering the NBA for The Athletic. Joe, good morning. Hey, DJ, how's it going? Good. You know, there was a time when I think most of us, could, if we were given two or three picks, could pick the NBA champ and we could give somebody else 27 or 28 teams in the field and they'd have no chance of winning that bet eight or nine years out of ten. Most of the time you knew. With the three-point shot, it feels like that's broadened a little bit, and maybe with COVID it's even harder to predict right now. But if I said there were legitimately six teams that could win the NBA title, do you think I'm being too generous, or you'd agree? Hmm, I'm counting in my head. Um, Suns. I don't know. Suns, Warriors, Jazz, Bulls, Nets, Bucks. And I know the Grizzlies are hot, but I didn't count them as one of the six. I didn't mention yeah. Miami in the standings. They look pretty good, too. So, but I, and, yeah. and maybe you swap one of the teams out and you put the Grizzlies in. But is it really six teams with a legit shot? Well, I, I'm fine with all those. I mean, you know, the Bucks are kind of middling through, um, but they did that last year and won it all, so they kind of know what they're doing. Um, the Bulls, this iteration of the Bulls has never been there before. And, I mean, at least like when you consider the guys who are leading them, you're talking about DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, they haven't been to the top yet either, uh, which is what the Jazz, of course, are dealing with, except they've been together for a lot longer. Um, so I would like the Jazz over the Bulls at this point. You know, Brooklyn, I've seen them a bunch um, through my work in the East. And, and you know, I mean, Kevin Durant is awesome. He was awesome in the Olympics. He was awesome last year in the playoffs. Um, they've been wrecked by injury. You know, they don't have Joe Harris. The Kyrie situation is weird. You know, he looks great when he's out there, actually, but, he, you know, he's only available a, a quarter of the time. Um, you know, and then out west, I mean, the, the Warriors, they just got Clay back into the fold, and actually they don't look great offensively with him, which, of course, is to be expected. But considering all that they've done all year, you think he gets into the fold and they'll – they'll be pretty tough to beat. And then the Suns are probably as deep as anybody. So, you know, I I like your list, and you're right. I mean, we went through that stretch of four or five years where it was the Warriors or the Cavs or that's it. Um, And we've we've gone past that, and and the the Warriors are back, but it's it's different. Um, Nobody's thinking about the Bucs, really, even though they're defending champs. So I think it's good for the league. I mean, in, in a year where the league needed to come back from a ratings perspective and a popularity perspective, I think you're seeing that. I think the ratings are up. I think interest is up. Um, and more good teams is a better thing, obviously. Trade deadline is less than a month away now. How much yeah. movement do you expect? And then after that, there's always the buyout market. So, okay, so first of all, I, I don't I don't put a ton of, of faith in the buyout market in, in, insofar as um, you don't go there – Typically, to, uh, to 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 turn your team into a championship uh, team, and you just like you you'll probably be able to find a, an example where I'm wrong. Um, but by and large, that doesn't work for most for most teams. I think the bigger pieces move at the trade deadline. You know, the the biggest piece obviously is Ben Simmons and what's going to happen with him. Um, but he's the biggest in terms of how decorated he is. I mean. He wasn't very good in the playoffs last year, and then obviously he hasn't played at all this year. Uh, but he's the biggest piece, and he's got the most money attached to him, and so you, you wait to see what, what happens there. 
I think hopefully uh, that the, the COVID which is running rampant through the league and through our, our country will, will, um, will, will regress and the, the league will be able to get back to business as usual. But right now, GMs haven't had a whole lot of time to talk significant trade. You know, they're, they're worried either about uh, filling their own rosters with these 10-day guys. I know Utah just signed somebody. Don't, don't ask me to say who it was. Um, but they just picked up, they just signed a guy to a 10 day deal. And, Zylan and Cheatham. All right. Well, hey, there you go. Like, there, <laughs> you, I couldn't name him. I mean, we could sit here all day and I wouldn't come up with that name. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's been a struggle for the league the last few weeks for sure, having to, to play with those kinds of players. But so it goes, as Billy Joel says. Joe Varden joining us covering the NBA for the Athletic. I am uh, I am amazed by the Clay Thompson. He was so good. He has been out so long. There's a handful of guys you can kind of sort of compare him to, but it doesn't really fit. What he's doing is uh, unprecedented. Just absolutely not play at all for two and a half years. Even even Bill Walton got out on the court occasionally, and uh, Grant Hill got out on the court occasionally. Uh, what level do you expect him to return? turn to yeah I, I mean he certainly like th- that dunk was awesome and he hit a couple threes against the Cavs um, last night against the Grizzlies I think he was two of five but he doesn't he, like I think we can agree he doesn't look like old clay yet and nor should he um, I, in talking to the either Warriors people or my Warriors people um, you know, I mean, there's a hope that what we're talking 80% clay, 85% clay this year, um, and go from there. I mean, any kind of serviceable clay who's just healthy, you know, forget about the certain spring in a step or how long it takes to get that jumper back to full strength, um, ability to, to lock down defensively and almost any guy on the floor, just a competent, healthy clay on that team and that system makes them a really, really tough out. And, uh, and yeah, it's remarkable what Clay is, is doing so far here in the early going. Um, but I think it's more, it's, it's more so what he overcame to get here. I mean, because he was healthy. He was ready to come back. And then to suffer another devastating injury after a year of rehab, that is just, you know, as far as pro athletes go, there's not a whole lot worse that can happen to you. Um, as far as having to overcome it mentally. So kudos to him for being able to stick it out and, and, and go through two full years of rehabilitation uh, and to come out on the other side of it. In the West, it looks like you got four teams that separated themselves. We'll see how it finishes out, putting Memphis in there as they are really playing well of late and looks like they've got a lot of talent, young talent to develop. The thing that's curious to me is that when we get to the postseason – who knows what we could see right from the start in the first round because you can look at Denver, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Theoretically, I don't know if it'll happen, but they could have all their guys back so what they will have gone through a whole bunch of the season may not look anything like the playoffs. So I'm thinking, get your thought on it, has the potential to be really crazy if the rosters are full the way they're intended to be. That's a great point, and I think the best of those examples is the Nuggets. You know, you got to think about a Nuggets team. They have been on the doorstep. You know, we're talking conference finals. We're talking conference semifinals. 
Um, you know, they've been through it with, with Jokic and Jamal Murray. Those are two of the better players in the league. And, and to just be sort of keeping their head above water with all the COVID they're dealing with, and then, of course, with Jamal Murray being out, you know, all of a sudden you get a Denver team that has him back and is sort of stayed afloat with all they've been through. Like, yeah, that's a hell of a seven seed. I mean, whew, that's really that's really tough, you know. And then the Lakers, I, I'm a little bit – like, the, the way they are built, they, they have to – like, it's got to be LeBron. Like, LeBron – has to carry them. Uh, Anthony Davis has not shown an ability to do it. He has not lived up to, to sort of the plan there, which is for him to become the alpha and LeBron to be his wingman. That has not happened. Um, so if LeBron, who has been awesome by himself this year, but his great play has not been enough to get them, you know, anywhere near where they thought they would be. Um, so we'll see with, with Anthony Davis. I think he's the kind of second one. Uh, or that that's the second item there. Um, you know, you guys haven't even asked me about the Jazz yet. Um, We're getting there. Don't worry. But, okay, <laughs> I just I like them. I, I like them. I, I think that the reaction to the three game losing streak is overblown, and um, you know, and even and especially even who they lost to. I mean, losing to the Pistons. I mean, it happens in this league. I mean, you look around. I think every team has bad losses. Um, and, and, you know, I think the Jazz, more than any team over the last couple of years, has learned that lesson that it's not about how you finish in the regular season. It's the things that you do to prepare yourself um, for that postseason. It's a different game. And so, you know, I think Quinn was right the other night when he said, you know, we need to use this game to, to further focus us. And that, that's it. That's the only thing that matters is it was another reminder about having to play on the perimeter and having to be a physical, gritty defensive team when Rudy's not out there. Um, and also to draw it up <laughs> in a way so that you don't have to have Rudy running out to the corner, um, which the perfect way to practice that and when he, is when he's unable to play. It doesn't matter that they blew a second-half lead to the Pistons. It just doesn't. It doesn't. And they're not, the Jazz probably aren't going to win the West during the regular season. They're not going to get that number one seed, but that, that, that's okay. What matters is learning these lessons now because they are a team that knows each other well. And they have been, to, you know, they've been through the, a, a number of playoff runs. So they're there. They're ready, you know, to contend deep. It's, it's, it's about shaping the roster and shaping how they do their stuff. Um, to be ready for, to, to, for, for playoff action. Forget about this stuff now. I think what matters about the Piston game isn't the final score and whether they won or lost. It's the fact that they didn't play the right way when they needed to. Yeah. And when things started going wrong, they weren't capable of taking the game by the shoulders or the neck or whatever else, you know, grabbing it and spinning it around and making it go the way they wanted to. And those are things you need to do in playoff games because the playoff games are going to go wrong at some point. And you have got to be able to summon something and change the direction of a playoff game. That's how the Clippers knocked the Jazz out in Game 6. It was going poorly for the Clippers until it was going great for the Clippers. They turned the game around. And so, aside from the final score, the fact the Jazz didn't know, do those things, which would have impacted the final score... That's a concerning <laughs> part. And they obviously don't have their guys. If they're playing without Gobert, they're not going to win the title. So playing without right. Gobert in the regular season is, I don't know, what's the opposite of fool's gold, the negative version of that? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I used to, you know, and maybe my views on this are a little skewed, you know, but, but in my beat writing days, I was a beat writer in Cleveland. And the Cavs had no chance on the nights that LeBron didn't play. And we would wring our hands because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love were on the team. And how can they lose all these games with two, two of the big three still there? But you knew ultimately that the way they were going to play in the playoffs and the way they were going to get to a finals and win was if LeBron was there and healthy. And so I think that's a good point. I, I definitely see your point about being uh, you know disappointed in the way that they were unable to close that game. Um, but again, I just look at, uh, you know, I mean, I look at things like, you know, being at the end of a long road trip in January. I mean, it was like a three or four game. So I think it was a four game trip to a bunch of different cities and different time zones. Um, you know, at the end of a trip, the last team you're playing is not very good. Rudy's not out there. You know, you just, there's a number of different excuses and, um, but no, make no make no mistake though. I mean, for a night in January, you're not going to watch that game and say, "Oh yeah, we're ready to go for for April." But I just I, I want to try to preach the long game approach that uh, this, that what you saw I, I suspect is not a harbinger of, of bad times to come. So, Joe, a little while ago, a few minutes back, you quoted Billy Joel, right? You did. A, did you drop I did. Okay, so looking down the line. Uh, a few years. Do you think Donovan Mitchell will be in a New York state of mind? Nice. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I've been a, in this league long enough to know not to say, not to guess on stuff like that. Um, I, I think that he's the guy. I, I think the Knicks are going to land somebody, whether it's Zion, whether it's whether it's Donovan. I know Donovan is, is uh, comfortable in Utah. He's been well-received there. Um, I think it's important for them to get to a final, you know, or, or, or win one, um, certainly to make that next step. I mean, those are the kinds of things that stars want to see. Um, and so what, he's already, he's playing on a, uh, he's playing on an extension already, so he will have been in the league a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's a, like whether you're Cleveland or Milwaukee or Utah or Memphis or, Charlotte. I mean, those are the markets where, like, you get your guys for seven years uh, or so, and then if you know, then you you do run that risk of losing a guy. Um, and and five years ago, that I mean, that would have sent shockwaves to the jazz community. But now I think we've kind of all grown up to that um, to that that possibility. I think that I think that Giannis um, choosing to stay in Milwaukee before he saw that they were for real and that they were going to do the things that, it, that was necessary to win. I think that bodes well for the Jazz franchise. Um, you know, I mean, sort of the awkwardness between Rudy and, and Donovan, whenever that was, it's still there. I'm not quite sure, but it certainly was there. That's not great, but, I mean, winning cures a lot. And if, they, if the Jazz are still clicking, hitting on all cylinders and getting to the finals and winning one, then, you know, he may want to be a guy who, who makes his career and, uh, in Salt Lake. I mean, it, I mean, it's happened before, and, and, and Donovan, I think, is interested in following in the footsteps of, of, of Carl and, and, and John, and, and so, you know, he's certainly, he's got talent to, to maybe be that guy, but he and they have to win together. Yeah, I say screw New York, because who needs a house out in Hackensack? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, yeah, I mean, but Billy, I mean, that's right. House out in Hackensack, but he also, he writes a lot about, you know, Midtown and living in Hell's Kitchen, too. So, you know, there's all kinds of, of nice real estate for, for a, a Donovan Mitchell or a, or a, a Zion Williams. I don't know. Yeah, look, Zion Williamson is so uh, just sort of, I mean, out of sorts with the Pelicans that he's not even rehabbing near them right now. He's, I think he's in Portland or something like that. So I think if you're ranking him as far as who's getting out of their, their uh, home base sooner, I, I would put Zion ahead of Donovan for sure. Joe, the only surprise is that PK didn't start quizzing you about Uptown Girls and really try to make you uncomfortable. He could have done that, but he didn't. Before we let you go, the trade deadline is looming, and we've assessed all the top teams in the league. What are the odds that everything we said doesn't matter because Portland moves Damian Lillard or Boston decides to reset and move one of their stars and make a mega deal? Or... The Simmons deal gets done, and it's a multi-team deal, and that we see some really talented players move that change all the equations we've been talking about. I mean, I, like, I just I want to be upfront. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know that that Portland has any plans to go against what Damian Lillard has said seven hundred times mm-hmm. and trade him anyway. Um, I, I don't know that. Um, of, of the three scenarios you said, I, I would certainly put the, the Ben Simmons thing first. Um, you know, I still I don't think the Celtics need to do that. They don't need to trade one of those guys. Um, they don't need to break up their team. They need to get better around those two. Like they have two legitimate stars under contract for a long time. You don't need to move one of them. You need to do a better job filling out the rest of the roster. Um, and they just haven't. They haven't done it for for the last few years and it's not because of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown's contract um, so I would I would preach against that um, so you know I, I think it's Simmons first and then I would guess Willard second just because it doesn't appear that the Blazers are anywhere close to doing anything as far as winning um, and then the Celtics thing third and I said that and watch three weeks from now you know they'll trade uh, Jalen for whoever <laughs> Well, Joe, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, all the Billy Joel talk with PK, and we will talk to you again later this season. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Joe Varden covering the NBA for The Athletic. Yeah, that's why I try to take it easy, you know? You know? Sure. Because, I mean, everybody knows. Working too hard. Can give you a hot attack. Hackensacks in Jersey, did you know that? I did. <laughs> I've learned a lot about Jersey without really going there that often. I've been there. Not a lot. Not for very long. And not for very much of Jersey. Hey, he brought up Billy Joel, not me. There, there you go. <laughs> All right, coming up, we're going to give away jazz tickets. We're going to do that to tonight's game, the Jazz and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we'll do that right after the commercial break here on the other side. Right now, we are joined by Rod Rex. And Rod, you've been telling us interest rates were going to go up, and now it's happened. Unfortunately, I'm the bearer of bad news. The record low rates for the last two years are definitely in the rearview mirror. The good news is, is homeowners here in Utah have record low or, or record equity in their homes, so you've got an opportunity uh, that's not going to last very long to, to take advantage of that equity. 
uh, whether you're looking to do a debt consolidation and lower your overall monthly payments by several hundred dollars by consolidating those debts, we can put you on a track to pay off the mortgage and those debts years sooner than you otherwise would. And you can do it right now with rates that are still historically very low. We're in the low threes on a 30-year fixed, and we're in the mid twos on a 15-year term. So before those rates go up, which by the end of this year, they very easily could be in the fives, even sixes, if inflation continues to run. So act now, lock in those low rates, save yourself a ton of money, and tap that equity. Because you know stuff we don't, and you do math that we don't, when you say the rates are going up 3 4 5%, wherever they go, however fast they get, how much money does that mean to someone who's buying a home or refinancing a home? What's the, the total number of dollars? Yeah, a simple example, if you take a $400,000 loan, and right now you can get easily a 3.5%, our rates are just a little bit lower, but let's just take a 3.5% rate, and if you compare that to a 4.5% rate on a 30-year term, you're going to save $83,000. Now, if rates go up to 5.5%, the difference between a three and a half and a five and a half percent interest rate is $171,000 in interest paid. So we're talking huge money here. All right. For people who want to know more and want to talk to you about their situation, what should they do? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Call us at 801 Approve. One of our originators will take great care of you. Or you can visit us online at lendrightmortgage.com. 801 Approve. Call 801 Approve or go online to lendrightmortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you.